Well, good morning. Uh, as always, I'm going to tell you that I'm glad that you're here this morning, and I mean it. It's really been an honor uh, to be your pastor and to be here with you this morning. We're in week two of our series, Members Only, as we look at church membership and what it means to be the member of a church. Last week, we talked about who should consider the uh, church membership, who, who should consider becoming a member of a church, and the answer was pretty simple. It was anyone that considers themselves a believer, right? We explained the importance of making that choice and the message that it sends to others. Well, today I'm hoping to answer the question uh, of what church members do. What do church members do? But before I answer that question, I'm going to bring Chase up here uh, next to me, and he's going to share some information with us in, in just a moment that's going to kind of frame our discussion. But as he's getting settled and kind of, you know, collecting his thoughts, uh, I do want to let you know that today we're going to be talking about finances. Uh, there's a reason I'm off the stage. There's a reason I'm sitting. I want today to be more of a discussion and less like you're being preached at. But uh, as members, regular attenders, and possible future members of Crosspoint, uh, it's my belief that you have every right to know about our finances. And that applies to all churches, right? Church finances shouldn't be a secret. You should be able to obtain those anytime that you would like. You should be able to know what's going on and what your money that you're contributing goes to. And so that's part of what we're doing uh, today. But just a little bit of background before Chase kind of dives in. I took over as pastor four years ago. Uh, as Crosspoint Fellowship, I've been here for roughly, I always get this mixed up, I think it's like eight now. It hasn't seemed like that long, but I really think it has been that long. But I've been your pastor for four years, and I took over as pastor on the backside of some really just tough financial difficulties. We weren't in a healthy place. Our spending was more than our income, and as you may know, that's not good. <laughs> uh, frankly, we had just bounced a rent check, and it kind of looked like Crosspoint maybe was going to fold to just be honest. Now, uh, we had received some help from some members at the time who helped us kind of overcome those difficulties in the moment. And then uh, over the last four years, we've worked really, really hard to correct that, really hard to make sure that we are good financial stewards, that we are in a healthy financial place. And you've heard me say probably for the last couple of years that we are in a healthy, as healthy a place as a church financially as we ever have been. And that's not necessarily changed, but it's kind of starting to slide backwards, if I'm just being really honest with you. Um, part of that is that uh, even though we have a really generous group of cross pointers here, a really generous group of givers, and I would never question that, part of that is we've lost some giving families. We had some giving units, so to speak, move away. And that's part of it. Part of it has been COVID. You know, when COVID first started, uh, we actually did really well financially. I felt guilty because I've met with a bunch of pastors and they were talking about how much they were struggling. And I don't know why other than to say God, but our, our giving in that moment actually went up. Like people started giving more and we were able to really help our community and, and distribute those funds throughout our community to help people that were having a really difficult time. And then obviously inflation is a real thing, right? Like gas is up, milk is up, everything's up and people are feeling that squeeze. And so uh, as a church, we're starting to feel that squeeze as well because you're feeling that squeeze. And um, we support the church together. Collectively, we support the church. So um our financial situation isn't dire, okay? I wouldn't say that it's dire, and I don't want you guys to think of it in that way. But I will say that if things don't change, it could be. It could be. And so as a leadership team, we've looked at some of the ways to combat these difficulties. And one of those ways that we are trying to combat that is looking for a new space. 
I'm just being frank with you. Now, we wanted to do all our homework behind the scenes. I'm, I'm not trying to surprise you with anything. I'm not trying to pull the rug out from under you, but we didn't want to just come and say, okay, we're leaving, right? Like that doesn't inspire any type of confidence. We wanted to get all of the information that we possibly could to deliver that information to you in a really uh, healthy way and also in a way that was just supported by factual numbers. Um, and so that's one of the things that we've done to try to think about how we might ease our financial burden going uh, into the future. Um, and so having said all that, I'm gonna let Chase take over, uh, explain his background and explain to you why he's the one delivering this information and not myself. Um, that led us to kind of looking at that option. Yeah, um, so I think the reason Paul wanted me to talk is because uh, the youth pastor is the most expendable staff member. So they he just wanted to, no, but, uh, no. So I do work outside of the church. Um, I am a commercial loan underwriter uh, for government guaranteed loans, uh, which is a fancy way of saying I use your taxpayer money to fund businesses um, all over the nation. Um, but what that entails is that I spend, um, you know, all of my week going over uh, financial analysis of, of companies, churches, businesses, just, to determine if their creditworthiness and get a, a feel of how uh, healthy of an organization it is. And so when we, as a leadership team, started talking about this, um, it kind of fell right in my wheelhouse as far as going over the numbers and kind of where we should be and uh, different things of what will qualify us for uh, a building loan, for example, what will qualify, you know, what's a healthy amount for our lease, um, that kind of stuff. And so that's why uh, Paul asked me to, to jump up here and um, as a leadership team, we have been working on this for the last probably six or seven months, um, really pouring over our options and seeing. And, and the reason behind that, the, the heart behind it is that um, there's two things. One, we're a smaller church, right? And so when you go to a smaller church, there's benefits to that, but also it's on us. It's on us to keep it going. We're the family that is uh, providing all of this. You, can, you can't be as much of a consumer as you could be at a different church, and that's part of the draw of a smaller church. But also, um, as a leadership team, we want to be good stewards of uh, the money that God has told you to give. And that's the key. And, um, and so we're going to do everything we can. We, we don't have any debt. We don't owe anybody anything as a church. Uh, when we bought the van, we did it with raised funds and bought it in cash. And so like, we're trying to be good stewards of what God has given us and what, uh, what we're doing. And most importantly is that we don't just want the money to stay here, right? We want the money to uh, bless the community. When people come to the church, we can say, yes, we can provide this bed for you. Yes, we can do, uh, we can pay off your uh, electricity bill. We can do those things, all the things that we've done in the community. We want to do that more. We want to make sure that we're, we're doing all that. So I'm sure that, you know, Paul will get into that more as well. But just hard numbers. Um, right now, our rent has just gone up about $400 a month. Um, and we were kind of riding a wave of like our rent not going up for a while. We were paying month to month. And uh, our landlord decided, you know, fairly decided that uh, the fair rent was actually going up by 400. So um, that kind of got this conversation started of like, okay, Rent's going up, you know, like we said, our budget's getting squeezed a little bit. What, what are the best options for us um, going forward uh, to be good stewards? And so we really dug into the budget and uh, Zoe's done an amazing job on our budget and she keeps everything very, uh, very tight and clean. And so we were able to talk about hard numbers. And uh, right now, a healthy organization for their lease space or their loan for that, Typically, you want your, your space to be like 30% or less of your budget, okay? 
um, with a maximum you know, of like debt payments or lease payments being 40 to 43%. And like, that's the point where if you go to a bank and you have like 43%, they're like no more money until you get that lower, right? It's done. You can make it work, but like you're done. Um, right now we're about 60% of this space is about 60% of our budget. Now that's not to be, that includes utilities, lights, everything. That's not just a scare tactic, but that's just showing you, that's just flat where we're at. Uh, and so, that was the first thing that we were tackling. We're like, there's two ways that we can relieve this pressure. We can lower expenses, or we can increase income or giving uh, to make that lower. And so the first thing we did as a leadership team was like, oh, how do we lower expenses? How do we get this um, into a manageable spot? And so this, the three bays that we have here is about 4,600 square feet as a reference point. Um, and so we really don't wanna go into anything smaller uh, because you know, we're trying to grow and, and we use this space all the time. Uh, the kids use that, the youth uses that. Um, and so 4,600 is a good spot. Um, right now with commercial real estate, you're looking at a $4,600 or 4,600 square foot building being about $732,000 to construct with uh, commercial real estate. Now that is not including the land. So you're talking about $160 a square foot to build right now, and that is like a shell, right? So that's not nothing, nothing fancy. We're not building like, you know, golden altars and things like that. <laughs> um, so it's just walls and a roof. Yeah. So that number kind of hit us pretty hard. We we're like, okay, well, obviously we can't buy land and and build um, because our down payment would have to be about 145 to 150 thousand dollars on that to make it reasonable. Um, and also the loan payment on a building like that would be about $4,400 a month. So we'd actually be going up by $1,000 a month to, to construct a building. Um, and also there are things like, you, we just have to qualify for a loan in order to do that. And so to qualify for a loan with a church, it's a little bit different than a normal business where you just look at net income and you know how much money can they make. It's more about how many giving units do you have or family units that give regularly um, right now, we have about 20 family units that give, um, and you need you don't want to have debt that's more than like $5,500 per giving unit. Um, and so, 20 times 5,500 is not anywhere near the 500, 600 thousand dollars we would need uh, to build a building. Uh, so we went outside of it to look, and just quite honestly, this is our best option. Um, we look to at other spaces to rent um, and for what we're trading off like right now it's thirty four hundred dollars the best option we had was about twenty eight hundred dollars um, but we had it we get it for six hours a week right and so it's a setup and tear down situation so we you know for about eight hundred or six hundred dollars in savings we lose six and a half days of use out of the building and so um, with commercial real estate, there's two things that never go down, rent and the price of the real estate. And so um, we just, this is the best spot for us right now. Um, and so that kind of spurred on uh, this conversation that Paul's gonna have and we're gonna have from leadership. But just know that, especially if you're a guest, we're talking about people who call Crosspoint home. Um, but as leadership, we are trying to do everything we can to, to steward this money uh, as best we can. I know there are several staff members here that don't take salaries um, and stop stealing my sermon. Okay, I'll stop stealing my sermon. So anyway, but that's that's my piece. So appreciate you. Uh, you know, back that way somewhere. 
Thank you very much, Chase. So I wanted you to get that information from him. Obviously, he has some expertise and uh, he's a professional. And, you know, I managed to uh, pay my bills every month. That's about as financially sound as I could be. So I wanted you to get that information from him. But like he said, we, we had and we looked at lots of options. We had one other option that maybe made sense. And the amount we would save versus, like he said, what we would lose. I mean, we have people in this building six out of seven days and sometimes seven out of seven days. Okay, we're able to minister to our community in some really awesome ways that would just be taken away from us. And that savings, it's just not enough to say, well, that makes sense for us to move, right? Um, cross point would not be the cross point that you know and love right now if we made that choice. And so to answer the question, what do church members do? Well, it's maybe an uncomfortable answer, but it's one of our biggest functions is we support the ministry financially. Okay, we support the ministry financially. And so I wanna talk first about the precedent in scripture for tithing, for giving. Okay, and we're gonna be in Leviticus. There's some Old Testament and New Testament stuff. We're gonna look at Leviticus 27:30, which says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And then looking at verse 32, skipping ahead just a little bit, it talks about a tithe of the herd and flock. Every 10th animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So this is kind of where we get that 10% number, so to speak. Uh, we see it in the Old Testament in, numer in, in numerous ways where when there were spoils from war, right, like 10% was given to the king or 10% was given to the church. Uh, Hebrews had um, a, a, a custom, a rule, a requirement from the Lord that they were to give 10% of their uh, income inducing abilities, right? And so when we look at the grain, so to speak, that was kind of the first thing. They could choose not to give up their crops and instead pay a monetary value of what their crops would have been marked up by a fifth, right? And the tithing on their livestock, every 10th animal uh, would be given without prejudice. And so basically what would happen is they'd line up their animals and they'd pull them out, right, of their stockade or wherever they were holding them. And every 10th one, they just said, okay, that one. Okay, that one. And that way they couldn't say, I'm going to go pick these 10 weak ones, right? Like these 10 little scrawny ones that got neglected by their mother. We're going to give those over because they're awful and they won't make much money, right? So that was part of it. Now in Numbers 18:26, we see words uh, from God himself that say, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. So I don't know how much you know about the Levites, but they made no money on their own. Uh, they were the group of Israelites, the tribe of the Israelites that was in charge of uh, doing all of the religious type things, right? So they were in charge of the temple. They were in charge of making sure that uh, everyone was following those religious customs. And, and, and they, were, uh, they were basically the pastors of their day. I, I don't know how else to say it. And so they didn't make any money. They weren't raising crops. They weren't raising livestock. Their whole life was devoted to the church. And so God said, hey, you're going to give Israelites, you're going to give 10% of what you have to them. And so they could tithe as well. God actually required the Levites to give 10% of that directly to the Lord, okay, directly to the Lord. And so that's kind of where we get this Christian number of 10%, right? A lot of times you hear, what is the tithe? And we'll tell you, well, it's 10% of your income. And you're going to say, pastor, isn't that a lot? And the answer is, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, if you're not used to giving 10% of your income, it's a punch to the gut. 
And some of you right now, frankly, are living in such a way, and I can say this because I know in my past I've lived in such a way where 10% just wasn't doable. I was spending money on other things. I had other priorities. I didn't have 10% to give. And even when I didn't have other priorities, there were times where I didn't have 10% to give. It was like, hey, we're gonna eat and have shelter or we're gonna give our 10%. So I understand that struggle, okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you know, that's where that 10% number starts. Now, this tithe that we just talked about in the Old Testament is a lot like our tithe. It's an act of obedience to God in scripture. And that's something that I want you as people to really just understand and wrap your heads around. This is not about Crosspoint. It really isn't. It's not about you giving a specified amount of money. It's about you being obedient to God and doing whatever it is that he has called you to do. But I also want you to know that 10% is really a starting point. Now, I would argue that if you're not hitting that mark, that should be your goal. That's just me being frank with you. If you're not giving 10%, 10% should be your goal. But I would also tell you that if you are hitting that mark, you shouldn't necessarily be satisfied either. That's just me being frank, because God may call you to give more. I submit for exhibit. I want to say it like a lawyer. I don't know if I did that right or not, but Acts 4, okay, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And this is what it says. It says, all believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Okay, so we're somewhere, frankly, between give 10% and sell everything and start a commune. Now, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, you probably don't want to live with me, and I'll be honest, there's a lot of you I don't want to live with 100% of the time. That's supposed to make you laugh because I'm kidding. I'm kidding, right? I am kidding. And the last guy that's tried to do that sold some really bad Kool-Aid and that just didn't end well, right? So we don't want like commune not happening. That's not the goal here, right? A better place to start as far as our foundation for giving, and I'm talking about individual conscience as Christians being obedient to the Lord would be 1 Corinthians 16.2, which says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when... I come, no collections will have to be made, right? In short, giving should be proportional to one's earnings, right? Your giving should be proportional to your earnings, which is why the 10% number really is uh, sort of successful, right? Because 10% for some of you is going to be more than 10% for me. 10% for some of you is going to be less than what it would be for me, right? And so that 10% helps us kind of proportionally come together collectively and support the ministry of our church. But God may call you to do more. Your income may be such that you have more wiggle room and God may be saying to you, I would like for you to give more, right? So we have the difference between our tithe, our base, what we give to God and offerings, things that maybe we give extra. And maybe that comes in the form of a general offering gift, right? Where that just goes into the bank account. Maybe that goes towards special things like we did with our van or youth events or different things like that, right? But tithes and offerings are separate things. If you give to an offering that does not deduct from your tithe, okay? That does not say, well, I'm going to help in this area, so I'm going to give less here. That's not how that works, right? There's your tithe. And then if you can give extra, there's extra. And that's between you and God. 
just like your tithe is between you and God, right? Giving should be proportional to one's earnings. So those last two pieces of scripture that we read through give us further insight into giving as well. The first thing, or the, I guess this is like thing three, I don't know, I keep saying first thing a lot. It's one of my favorite things to say, but what we need to understand about giving is it, it's a collaborative effort, right? It is a collaborative effort. This is our church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is not his church. This is not her church. This is our church. And so we need to come together collaboratively in order to support the ministry that's going on at Crosspoint. This responsibility isn't on any one person. Part of being a member of a church is agreeing to participate in this collaborative effort. And so when you say, I want to be a member of Crosspoint, or I want to be a member of Calvary, or I want to be a memory of Live Church, or whatever church is in the area, when you are agreeing to become a member of those churches, you are agreeing to financially support their ministry and the ways that they are trying to affect positively their community for the kingdom. Now, I want you guys to just imagine something for a moment, because we start talking about money and everybody does the same thing. I do it too. I started sitting up a little higher because it started, you know, Crunch a little bit, like, I don't, stay out of my finances, sir. Like, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, we're all, mm, I'm uncomfortable. Some of y'all are squirming. Some of you are like looking at me like, if you ask a puppy a question, you do this, hmm? Like, you want me, what? Right, some of you just have a big-headed person in front of you you're trying to look around, and I understand that too. But I just want you to imagine something for a moment. Let's imagine that you go to dinner with somebody, somebody you regularly go to dinner with, and every time you do, they pay, right? Now, if this person is your parent, then maybe you're like, oh, it's mom, it's dad, it's whatever, you know, like that's a thing. But this is just a buddy. This is just a friend. They're on the same financial standing as you. They live the same life. They do the same things. But every time you go to dinner with them, they pay, right? They grab the waiter before he brings the check and says, hey, put it on my card or here's the money. Every time they do, they pay, okay? I want you to think about this same person. Every time you go to the gas pump, they just like pop out of nowhere like the butler from Mr. Deeds and they're just like, I swipe my card, right? <laughs> Like, and they just pay for your gas. And the first time they did that, you'd be like, this is awesome. You know, gas sucks right now, right? Like, it is terrible. I, you know how I had to sell a kidney just to pay for my gas, right? So they're paying for all your meals, and every time they're swiping their card, they're paying for all your gas. And then you go to the grocery store, and you fill up your cart, you go through, and here they are again. And they're footing the bill, right? The first time that happens, you may be like, hey, this is pretty cool. It's pretty nice that they've done this for me. I'm really appreciative that this has happened. But second, third, fourth time, you're going to start squirming a little bit, right? You're going to get uncomfortable. Hey, you can pay your own way. Like, you don't need them to do this for you. But every time you step foot in these doors and you sit in one of these seats and you participate in worship and you don't give, that's exactly what you're doing. You're allowing someone else to foot the bill for you. You're allowing someone else to pay your way. This stuff... It's our stuff. I love this stuff. It's not the greatest stuff, but it's our stuff. This stuff costs money. It's just the truth of it. It costs money to be in this space. It costs money to keep the lights on. It costs money to turn the air on when I was back there having a hot flash, right? Like it, it just costs money. There's no way around it. It costs money. And when you are not participating in that giving, you are telling your brothers and sisters in Christ, your family here at Crosspoint, I'm okay with you footing the bill. And when you think about it like that way, I think you're probably a little uncomfortable all of a sudden. Because I'll be honest, I know that I would be. I know that I would be. 
When you aren't contributing what you're able to contribute in church, you're allowing someone else to fund your experience and to pay your way, and that just isn't kosher. It's not what a family does. It's not what a member does. It's not what followers of Christ do. Here's what I can tell you about the givers in our church, okay? Some of y'all don't feel like you're in the hot seat. This is what I would tell you. I know of certain people who give, but I don't know anyone that doesn't give. I know how many giving families we have, so I know that there are people here who don't, but I don't know specifically if that's you or not. It's not my business. I strongly feel that way. It is not my business. That is between you and God, 100%. Okay, so this is not a guilt trip, but I am just telling you some of the things that I know about some of the givers who help support the ministry of Crosspoint, okay? We have multiple individuals, multiple individuals who tithe monthly, not small sums, a large chunk of our income who never step foot in our church, who never sit next to you on a Sunday morning, who can't be here because of health, who can't be here because maybe they have to work. Whatever the reason is, they are not here, but they are still giving. They believe in what Crosspoint is doing. They want you to have this experience and they are collaboratively giving of what they have to help you support that. Now I can also tell you that two of those givers, and I know that they give again significantly, are in later stages of life. And that gift will not be here. We, I, we just can't count on it. We have months, if not just a few years. That's just me being frank, right? That is true. Now, we also have two staff members, our last two staff members who aren't paid, okay? And I'm gonna call them out by name. And again, I'm saying this because this is all public information. This isn't private, right? This isn't something you don't know, but Chase chose not to take salary. We knew that and we voted for him. Instead, the money that would be his salary goes into his youth budget. He does that so that they can do things like this awesome D-Now event that's getting ready to happen so that they can take the kids out and build relationships and go to camp and go to Young Christians Weekend and do things, right? Because without those funds, things don't happen. It's hard to build a group. It's hard to build a family. It's hard to build those ties and those connections, okay? That's just me being frank. Jerrica is completely volunteer. The money doesn't go into her budget. She doesn't see a dime. And... I didn't know how hard this girl was going to work when she decided to take on the role of children's pastor, but she works her tail off. And every Sunday this week, this month, she's over there. She won't get to be in this service one time. Both of those people are part of our giving units. Of those 20 giving units we said we had, both of those people are part of them. So not only are they not getting paid, I'm just being frank now. This is not a guilt trip. I, I want to be very, I'm just telling you the facts. So not only are they not being paid, but they're giving on top of that, right? Just the facts. On top of that, if we start to get to a place where we can't pay our bills, the first things to go are staff salaries. We've already agreed. Phil's already said, take mine away. I've already told them, I'll be frank with you, Jarek and I need it, but I'm going to say this in a little bit. It's not when you're supposed to put the point up, but I'm going to say it anyways. My mom has told me this is a little kid. God's math always works out. So if that has to go away, 
I know God's math will work out. We'll figure it out. Something will happen. God will come in. He'll save the day. We'll, everything's fine, right? But if that has to go in order for us to remain a church, that's what will happen. Because we are passionate about what Crosspoint is doing. And we are passionate about you and continuing to have a place to meet and to build our family. That's just the truth of the matter. There is no attempt today for nefarious gain, right? There's nothing wicked about what I'm saying. I'm not trying to, you know, buy myself a jet. Uh, I drive an 06 Honda Accord, which is rusting out and... Uh, most days feels like it's going to leave me stranded on the side of the road. I don't need to improve the vehicle because it hasn't stranded me yet. It gets me from there. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no nefarious attempt to gain here. I'm not looking for a new wardrobe. No one on staff is trying to greatly improve their financial situation, right? There's nobody here that makes enough money just on church alone to support themselves or their family. Okay. That's just how it is. We simply want to be able to stay in our space and continue to grow our family of God and continue to minister to this community. Our hope is that you're going to join us in supporting Cross Points ministry in a spirit of worship and obedience to God. Phil, I'm going way over. You may have to cut out some songs, but I feel like this is important. We got, you know, I got, I got to say it. So here's the thing. Having said all of this, and maybe causing a little conviction with you right now if you're not one of those that's giving or giving the 10% or giving what you know you can, you should never give out of compulsion. Not telling you that we wouldn't accept the money, but I am telling you that between you and God, you should never give out of compulsion or guilt, but rather you should give out of a love for the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's like I just used those words. For God loves a cheerful giver. You've all been to like an event. Maybe you've had a birthday or Christmas and somebody's like, here's your gift, right? Here you go. Or they like give you this gift, but there's some like hidden message behind it like, I got, you know, your mother-in-law. I got you this vacuum. You, my mother-in-law didn't do this. I need to say this. She's here. I just want to be clear, right? But your mother-in-law like brings you a vacuum and she's like, I got you this vacuum. Now you can clean your house, right? And you're like, thanks for the gift. I hope you trip on the way out, right? Like we've all kind of been in those situations where people give gifts to us like that. that and that doesn't feel good. Like we take it and we're like, oh, thanks, right? Like the money will be used for good purposes. We definitely won't turn you away, but the Lord is going to know. He sees all things, and he loves a cheerful giver. And those who reap sparingly will receive sparingly. Those who who sow uh, generously will reap generously. We know that. It's proven. It's scripture-based. Giving isn't easy. It isn't easy. On the surface, it reduces financial freedom and flexibility. It just does. Every year around the tax time, you know, all of our gifts are uh, taxed. Somebody give me the word. What? There you go, tax deductible, right? So you put it on your giving. It helps you kind of get a deduction on your taxes. That is one of the good things about giving. Every year I get that little form, shows how much I give, and the first thing I do is go, (gasps) right? I'm just going to be honest because I'm looking at money. I'm like, ooh, I could do lots of things with that money, right? That's the sinful side of me. But I will tell you, month to month, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. 
God's math always works out. I don't miss it. Now, it can be scary to give. It can be, especially if you are living on a tight budget. One of the ways you can combat this is through something we saw in an earlier passage I'm going to read. It's 1 Corinthians 16.2. It says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is where we get the principle of first before. You get paid, you tithe, you pay bills, the rest is your money to do with whatever you please, right? If you're not following that order, first one to admit, have not always been there, okay? Have not always been there. If you're not following that order, you're going to find you get midway through the month, you come to church, you think, oh, I should give, and you check your bank account, and you say, I don't have anything to give, right? I've spent $400 on come and go drinks this month. I've spent $600 on cigarettes. I spent $1,200 on scratchers tickets, right? I mean, if you're Jerrican and I, we literally fund Sonic in a tri-state area. It's <laughs> drinks. It's every, like, hey, give me that Diet Dr. Pepper, 44 ounce. I ordered it on the app. It's half off. Add some vanilla. It is delicious. I'm going to drink it. And then on the way home, I'm going to hit seven brew and I'm going to get myself a coffee, right? That adds up. We were struggling. This is me. Be oh, man, I'm being too transparent. I'm glad she actually isn't in here today. We were struggling a few months ago. We were getting to the end. Things were really tight. And I'm like, what is happening? So I added up all of our drinks, and I was like, <laughs> same thing, right? Like, oh, we have a drinking problem. It's not alcoholic, but we have a drinking problem, right? Like, we are struggling. It's becoming an everyday thing. $2 isn't that much. $2 every day is $60 a month, right? When two of you are doing that, that's $120 a month. When you have two little girls and the mom can't say no, that adds up even more because their drinks ain't cheap, right? Things add up. It gets expensive. So if I'm not first before, I'm going to get to the end of my month and I'm not going to have money to give because I like things. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, I didn't get this big by eating normal portions. I buy a lot of food every month. That happens too. That's a problem. That's a problem because that's money I could be giving. I'm just being honest with you, right? So we all have things that maybe get in the way of us giving what we're giving. And I want you to hear me. I'm not chastising any of you for doing those things. I, we all have vices, right? We all have things. You smoke cigarettes, congratulations. I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm, this isn't a guilt trip. I'm not, shame on you. I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm, none of those things. You buy a scratcher's ticket from time to time, I hope you win. Tithe on the winnings, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not, this isn't what that is. But I am telling you that when we make a list of priorities, God has got to be at the top. And if he's not, if he's somewhere in the middle, we're never going to give what God is calling us to give because we're just not going to have it. So we've got to first before set aside what belongs to the Lord in order to give it to the Lord. When you get paid, tithe and set your priorities from there. And if things need to change, they need to change. There have been times I haven't got to watch Cardinals. I know. Think about that. It's really tough for me. There are times where I had to watch Chief games over a $6 satellite thing that I had to hold in the window while I was watching, right? It happens. Of course, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I am telling you that like, we look at those things as, man, I love my Netflix. I like Hulu. I like Prime. I like all these things. I've got all these videos. Like, we have all these things we spend money on, and we think, I just don't have enough money. Really? Really? And then I, I tithe. So I feel like I can tell you this. We're family. Right? I am collaboratively holding up my end of the bargain. I'm just asking that everyone here do the same.
The fact of the matter is that God is worthy of the first fruits of our labor, not the scraps. Not the scraps, not whatever we have left over. He deserves the best of what we have to offer. Let's look at Mark 12, 41 through 44. I'm going way over, and I'm sorry. I love you. Forgive me. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worthy of only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. In doing that, she entrusted everything to God. Everything to God. She believed something I've already brought up that my mother has said to me my whole life. God's math always works out. There's a reason I heard that as a child. We were poor. Okay? Not poor as in like living on the streets poor, but poor as in like, thank goodness my grandparents are generous because sometimes they fed us. She can say that now. We're just being honest. My mom, hardest working woman I ever know. I wrote an essay about her when I went to jury. Got me a scholarship. Thanks, mom. Worked three jobs. Single mom. Hardly ever saw her. Not her fault. Right? She's working her tail off to make ends meet. But she gave. Because why? God's math always had a way of working out. God's math works out. I know what it's like to shop from a thrift store and to go back and beg your mom for this thing. And she says no. And you say why? And she's like, flip it over and look at the bottom and it has your name on it, right? Because you sold it two weeks before to the thrift store to buy other clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand the struggle. Struggle is real. Inflation is up. We are living in a not so nice America right now as far as paying for things. It is tough. It's tough for everyone in here. I know that. I know that. I'm not here to chastise you, okay? It's not it. I'm here to encourage you to be obedient to God and see that his math always works out. Throughout my giving history, there have been times where I have been here financially. Most of the time I've been down here. I teach and I preach. It's not a you know, concoction for being rich. It just doesn't happen. And I'm okay with that. I am. It took me a while to get there, but I'm okay with that. Most of the time I've been down here, but there has never been a moment in our life where we have not had what we needed. Not in my giving history have I ever went without something that I actually needed. Trust the Lord and do what? Lean not on your own understanding. He will take care of you. He will absolutely take care of you. And to be frank once again, if everyone here would give what they could, would give what the Lord has called them to give, we would have no need for a widow to give her last two coins. We wouldn't have that need because that shouldn't be taking place. Instead, we should be feeding her. Instead, we should be clothing her. Instead, we should be providing for her. But now, we need it. We need it. If you believe in Crosspoint, if you believe in our church, in what we're doing, in our leadership, and how we are trying to be 
good stewards of our money. If you want Crosspoint to continue to minister to our community in the ways that we currently can, I ask that you would prayerfully consider what it is that God wants you personally to give. And that you be bold enough and that you be brave enough to step out in faith. Let God's math work and put him first. If this is your home, if this is your home, if you are a member of Crosspoint Fellowship, you have committed to standing next to me and the 19 other families who are currently supporting this ministry. And frankly, frankly, I'm going to name my next, I'm going to get a new kid. I'm going to name him Frank. I've said it like 12 times a day. Frankly, us 20, we're treading water. We could use for you to throw us a little bit of a life raft. Will you join us in placing your faith in God and saying, I know that at the end of the day, you will give me enough. That's the expectation of a member at Crosspoint. Not the only one, but that's definitely one of them. Okay, I'm done. I'll leave you alone. Sorry. I'm not really sorry. I'm saying I'm sorry to try to ease some of the sting if there's sting, but we needed to hear it, right? We need to hear it. It's scripturally based. None of this is me. Let's pray. God, as the band comes and, and joins us on stage to sing a couple songs, uh, Lord, I just pray for each and every person here. I pray for their heart. I pray for their pocketbooks. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would help them see uh, the importance of giving to Crosspoint, of collaboratively saying that I will join with others to fund the ministry that is Crosspoint. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the bravery that it takes to uh, cut things a little financially because um, it stings. I mean, it hurts. It just does. There's no way around it. Everyone in here uh, works hard or has worked hard and finds themselves in a state of retirement, God. And they deserve the money that they receive. They deserve to use it how they see fit. Uh, but Lord, as believers, you have called us to obey you. You have called us to follow your word and to, to lean not on our own understanding, but to trust you in all things. And this is one of those things that people really struggle with, right? That's why the rich young ruler didn't make it into heaven because he just couldn't give up his things. He couldn't sell his possessions. And God, we just, uh, I pray that you would help us to shed the things that we can shed in our life so that we may take up our cross and follow you. At the end of the day, we want to stay in our building. We want to continue to build our family. We want to continue to minister to our community. Lord, I pray that people would see the earnestness and that desire and that they would love not only you enough, but that they would love Crosspoint enough to trust us with their gift. I ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. As the band gets ready to worship, we're going to have a time where we can reflect right to think about where we stand as far as our obedience to god a time where we can pray over the things in our life that we need to pray about and um, i'll be uh, 
back in the back ready to pray with you if you have something that you pr- want to pray about. If after all that, you still want to be a member of Crosspoint Fellowship, uh, I mean it when I say we would be honored to have you. It would be um, our absolute pleasure, to be frank. And so I said it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go train myself out of that. But uh, if after all that, you still want to call Crosspoint home, we'd love to have you. We are family here. I know that. And uh, the reason that we do what we do is so that the widow can come into this place, that the single mother can come into this place, so that uh, those that are downtrodden and hurting financially and have nothing to give, frankly, have a place to give. And and that's why we do this. And so uh, I hope you'll join with us. But for now, let's stand, let's worship, let's reflect, let's do all those things.